With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Come Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 49 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host, as always. Uh, before we jump into the breakdown, I wanted to take a second to talk to you all about First Bank. First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park and DNVR Rugby. We believe in banking for good, doing our best to do right by our customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. So, with that out of the way, we'll go ahead and jump into the breakdown. Breakdown's how we start the show every week. It's a big roundup of, of weekly news. Um, so I know we've been kind of talking about it these last few weeks. There hasn't been much going on in North America and rugby and MLR front. Uh, but this week was a complete opposite. So it's kind of like the levee burst. And there was a bunch of, whole bunch of stuff to talk about. So we'll go ahead and jump into that part. Uh, now we'll go ahead and start with the MLR front. A lot of stuff going on. So the first kind of thing I saw earlier this week is that Kanalo Hawaii has been posting some very cryptic messages on their social media over these last few days. Um, on Sunday, August 30th, Kanalo Hawaii posted this message. It says, Aloha, Ohana. Some exciting announcements due in the coming week. Stay tuned for details. And then there's a nice photo of Honolulu lit up in pink uh, on the ocean with their Kanalo Hawaii's rugby, uh, rugby logo. So... Um, that was that. And then on Tuesday, September 1st, they posted this message on social. said, a new dawn rises from the depth, quote, from the depths and breadths of the sea. Strength and courage shall rise, end quote. Another nice, their lovely logo over a uh, sunset over, uh, on the beach. Looks very nice. And then on Thursday, um, I'm recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Try to wait as long as I can, so hopefully something would have come across the timeline. But uh, nothing has. Checking as we speak. Still have not dropped the news that they're supposed to drop this week. So um, they're posting the same message about this being, you know, they're going to drop some news this week. Uh, and I thought if it was good news, it'd be out by now. Could very well could come out on Friday morning. But uh, the oldest PR trick in the book is to dump your, the bad news on a Friday afternoon, especially before a long weekend. Hopefully it gets buried. People are not looking at their phones. So that, that could be something to keep an eye out for. I did read a read an article earlier this week about Kanaloa Hawaii's in negotiations with Aloha Stadium. That's where the University of Hawaii plays football. It's where the Pro Bowl used to be. Um, they want to use that stadium. I think the stadium has requested that they present a letter of credit before they proceed. So we'll obviously keep an eye on what's going on with that. Um, that's kind of the Kanaloa Hawaii rugby news so far this week. Uh, next little bit of news we'll talk about, we've got some Raptors news. Uh, if you listen to the end of the show, I'll tease a little more Raptors news. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, but another another former Raptor signed somewhere to play uh, in 2021 this week. So we had a new signing, like I just mentioned, per BSMI Rugby on Instagram, on Twitter. 
Uh, to his representation, former Raptor Michael Curry signed with the Toyota Industry Shuttles in Japan for 2021. It's uh, the second former Raptor that will be on the move to Japan. If you recall, Robbie Petzer came on the show a few weeks ago, announced that he was going to play for Tokyo Gas in 2021. If you're new, my new listener to the show, you might not have noticed that because of uh, another publication ripped that from me a few weeks after it happened, but that's water under the bridge. Um, but anyways, yeah, Curry appeared in all five of the matches that the Raptors played in the shortened 2020 season. He had 108 meters on 25 ball carries, made 34 tackles on defense. He was a New Zealand guy, so he went back to New Zealand when uh, all the borders were getting closed. So I'm, I'm happy for him. He's a good dude, really nice. Never had the chance to get him on the podcast, but got to know him. Um, Ella Rose was his girlfriend. She was on the podcast as well in the early days of the show. Uh, so good for them, happy for both of them. Tokyo should be fun. Japan should be a fun place to go live and explore. So that's awesome news. Uh, wish him the best. Glad so, glad he's going to play rugby somewhere in 2021. Um, so that's kind of the Raptors news. The Raptors tracker has been updated, of course, so make sure you go check that out. We're keeping track of all the Raptors that are signing to play somewhere else next year. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit of Raptors news that we have. And like I said, if you listen to that, it'll tease a little more Raptors news. Uh, so on the Los Angeles Giltinis front, assistant coach Stephen Hoyles uh, went on the Rugby Rant podcast on Wednesday evening. Uh, that's really the first thing that's come out of any member of the team of Los Angeles organization since Nick Boyer came on this show right here. DMVR Rugby announced that he was headed to the Giltinis to play his rugby next season. Um, they talked a little bit about that on the interview. So they asked him about a few of the former Raptors, where they're going uh, the only thing he confirmed was that Blake Rogers and Nick Boyer are going to play for the Giltinis next season. Uh, Rugby Rant didn't give me credit for breaking the Boyer story, so um, that's whatever. I'm jo- I'm half joking. A little <laughs> salty, but not really. Uh, but, yeah, he said a lot of good information. Touch on a few of the key points that he touched on during the interview. Essentially said that he didn't know about the name change because uh, if you remember, I think I talked about it on the show, but – the Los Angeles Giltinis have not been listed on Major League Rugby's website as a team in the competition. Just went and looked right before I started recording, and it's the same. They're still not up there. Logo's not up there. So a lot of people were kind of thinking that might be a name change. Obviously, it could be a whole bunch of things. But uh, Stephen Hoyle said that he wasn't sure about the name change, something that he didn't know. Um, like I mentioned, talked about some of the former Raptors that they have their eyes on that have been kind of rumored to go there. And so there's a lot of reasons why they haven't announced signings because they haven't they've been radio silent essentially since the MLR draft. Um, they you know they announced that they drafted who they drafted, uh, but they haven't announced signings. And they said there's a whole lot of different things that play into that. Um, you know a lot of things cost a living. They don't want to announce signings for a for a kid that you know can't afford to go play there actually. Like if they if they do have the rights to them and. It just ends up not being able to afford to live and, and play rugby out there. So he said there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. He said to expect a flurry of announcements here in the next month to six weeks. Um, there's a lot of good information just about the league. I know they talked about teams not being able to report until January 4th with COVID restrictions and all that. A um, lot, whole lot of moving pieces, of course, this year is just throwing a, a lot of different wrenches and a lot of different plans. So if you want to learn more about that, I would encourage you to go to check out that interview at Rugby Rant. Uh, it's on the MLR Fan Zone on Facebook. And I think it should be up on YouTube here pretty soon. Uh, so that's kind of the wraps up the big news going on in MLR this week. Uh, we'll change this <coughs> excuse me, we'll transition into some 
USA Rugby News. It was quite a bit of USA Rugby News this week as well. So uh, on August 31st, uh, USA Rugby announced that they have officially exited Chapter 11 bankruptcy following a court approval. So beginning September 1st, 2020, USA Rugby will enter the post-bankruptcy phase where secured creditors will be reimbursed over the next five years. So I'll go ahead and read you the release. Uh, Delaware Bankruptcy Court approves USA Rugby debtor plan during a hearing on August 31st, 2020. Uh, approval officially recognizes USA Rugby as reorganized to the consent of the court and no raise objections by USA Rugby creditors. Um, beginning September 1st, 2020, USA Rugby will enter the post-bankruptcy phase where secured creditors will be reimbursed over the next five years. The Delaware Bankruptcy Court officially approved the Chapter 11 plan of reorganization presented by USA Rugby during a hearing this morning. The debtor plan is a proposal from USA Rugby to address creditor claims and reconcile bankruptcy debts over time. The plan approval indicates USA Rugby as reorganized under the bankruptcy code and allows USA Rugby to operate post-Chapter 11, sub-Chapter post 5 bankruptcy effective September 1st, 2020. USA Rugby CEO, friend of the program, Ross Young, noted, this is an important step for USA Rugby and the go-forward plans of the game here in the United States. We're extremely pleased with the outcome, most notably as it becomes the catalyst for, the, for us to begin the hands-on rebuilding process with the rugby community and recommence long-term planning that will benefit all levels of the game. And quote, no objections were raised during the hearing. Moving forward, USA Rugby will remain accountable for a five-year reimbursement plan with secured creditors when completed. Uh, the organization will be fully discharged. So that's the end of the release. It's obviously huge news, very important news, very encouraging news because it allows for USA Rugby to finally, you know, start putting this stuff behind them, start building for the future. Like they mentioned, they've been giving a fresh start. Uh, be interested to see how they, what they do with it, but I feel like they've got some good momentum building up going forward. Um, now it's just up to them to keep it up, but I think they're in a good place, and I'm excited to see what happens with all that. So next piece of USA Rugby News relates to the jumbled up World 7 uh, cir circuit schedule. Mouthful, that's a tongue twister. Um, but World Rugby 7's announced earlier on September 1st, big, September 1st, big day of news for USA Rugby. So you, World 7's uh, rugby, World Rugby Sevens announced on September 1st that uh, a funding boost of $2.5 million to optimize teams' Olympic preparations for the Tokyo Games. Uh, Olympics coming up next year now. As you all know, it got postponed 2021. So um, USA Rugby said the LA Sevens Rugby is under review, could be held at a later date. USA Women's Sevens in Glendale has since moved to later in the schedule and alongside the Canada Women's Sevens in Langford. So I think we'll have with Glendale. They obviously didn't get to play the uh, World Sevens Series this year. It's supposed to be in October, but it's not going to happen because the women's stop isn't going to happen because of coronavirus. So I think what was originally supposed to happen is supposed to get rescheduled for May, and then again uh, supposed to be scheduled. I think they're going to play two tournaments next year, one in May, then the regular scheduled one in October or something like that. Obviously, none of that can happen. Everything's getting pushed back, so just getting pushed back one more time. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'll let you know anything that I read or hear. But that's kind of the wraps up the bit of USA Rugby news. A lot of board stuff. So if you're interested in that, go check that out on all the USA Rugby channels. Um, yeah. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into our weekly Super Rugby update. This is the final week of Super Rugby Australia's regular season competition. So we got two matches this weekend. We've got the Rebels 
versus the Force at 11 p.m. on Friday. So I think the first time in the history of the show, you'll be able to watch the first round of the that the first match of that round um, after the podcast comes out. So it's drop Friday midnight. Uh, that that match will be played at 11 p.m. on Friday night. So you can catch that. And then the second match of the weekend is the Reds versus the Brumbies at 3:20 a.m. So the Waratahs and the Reds are battling it out. Oh, excuse me. The Waratahs and the Rebels are playing for a chance to play the Reds um, next week, that one week of the postseason. And then whoever, so it'll be the Rebels or the Waratahs um, playing the Reds. Whoever wins between them and the Reds next week uh, will play in the finals against the Brumbies since the Brumbies are at the top of the table. So it should be some good rugby this weekend. I encourage you all to go check that out. Both those matches will be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so that wraps up our weekly Super Rugby update. We'll move into the Premiership. Uh, six, ma- six matches scheduled again for this weekend. So we got Worcester v- versus Bristol uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. So Friday at 11 a.m. We've got Northampton versus Exeter uh, Friday at 12.45 p.m. We've got Saracens versus Wasps on Saturday at 5.30 a.m. We've got Harlequins versus Bath on Saturday at 7 a.m. We've got Leicester versus Sale on Saturday at 8 a.m. Then we got Gloucester versus London Irish on Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Uh, all those matches will be broadcast on NBC Sports Gold. They've been re- pretty good so far. I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't. Um, and then finally, we'll wrap up the Pro 14 update. So they just restarted their season two weeks ago, if you remember. They're already in semifinals. They're just trying to get it over with. Uh, we've got Leinster versus Munster in the first semifinal match of the weekend. That's on Friday at 12.35 p.m., and then we've got Edinburgh versus Ulster on Saturday at 12.35 p.m. Again, uh, those are the semifinal matches. So winner of those two will play each other in the final the following week. Uh, both those matches will be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. I guess I should mention all the times I've mentioned are in Mountain Time since we live in Denver. And then again, top 14 in France is starting up this weekend. I don't think there's any way to watch those matches here in the United States, so I won't go through it. But I just thought I'd put it on your radar. Um, if you're in France listening to this, you probably know that Top 14 starts. But if you don't know, check it out. So with that, that kind of wraps up this week's breakdown. Go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. I'm very excited to have Josh Schmitz on this week's episode, former Raptor. Josh was really, realistically one of the very first Raptors. Um, if you've been listening to this show, we had Casey Rock on. We had Christian Sarmento on. We had Mike Taffel on. They've all mentioned Josh Schmitz. He was, he was very truly one of the, the very first Raptors before the uh, newspaper, the Rocky Mountain News ad uh, came out that got kind of all these people coming to Glendale to, to make the team. He was one of like the original like eight people that was a Raptor. Told some really good stories about uh, what it was like playing rugby back in the 2000s. He retired in 2010, so he's got a good perspective. Fills us in kind of in our timeline that we're lacking thus far. It was a good conversation. Um, I hope everybody enjoys it. And so with that introduction, we'll go ahead and kick it to my interview with Collegiate All-American and former Glendale Raptor, Josh Schmitz. All right, now welcome on to the show, former Collegiate All-American, former Glendale Raptor, Josh Schmitz. Josh, how are you doing? Doing good. How about you? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate the time. Uh, we'll jump in the interview like we start every interview, every person that comes on the show. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, I'm from uh, Denver, Colorado, born and raised. Yeah, love that. Love we get the local guys on. People seem to like that too. Uh, so next question yeah. is just how did you get into rugby? 
Um, growing up, my dad was a uh, youth pastor. And mm-hmm. so I was always around like, you know, older kids and that kind of stuff. And when you're a kid, you know, you always have like that, that older person that you look up to. And there was a guy, um, in my dad's youth group named Josh story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he played rugby and I thought he was like the coolest thing that ever walked the earth. And so <laughs> since he played rugby, I wanted to play rugby. Yeah. How old were you when that was, uh, when that happened? Uh, beginning of seventh grade. Okay. That's pretty young compared to even a lot of people that start now. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, back then there wasn't really, I mean, you know, there was high school club teams. Um, so I, I was playing for, um, at that time, the Denver Harlequins or Littleton Harlequins, yeah. um, you know, under 19s when I was in seventh grade. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's that's playing way up then. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then the, you know, at the time there was uh, the Wednesday, Wednesday socials um, oh, yeah. at my Cook Park. So I used to go and play with all the men on Wednesdays as well. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of rugby too. That's a lot of older guys rugby. So, uh, what about the sport like hooked you and when did you get hooked? I like asking people that was it the first training, I guess you kind of wanted to play from the beginning. So, but I was just wondering if there's a moment that it all kind of clicked and, and you were hooked and what about it, uh, hooked you? Yeah. Growing up, I was a, I was a wrestler. So I mean, starting at like four or five, um, I started wrestling uh-huh. and, uh, so I just kind of always gravitated towards more contact sports and uh so yeah once i played rugby it was really you know from the first even training um you know the idea that you actually had to to smack people and you got to be violent and it was that i was actually encouraged to hook me right away yeah Uh, i had christian sarmento on back in june i think it was may or june and he told me some stories about you hauling people around a church van getting everybody around to practice what do you remember about those days yeah, back then we, I mean, at that point too, um, I'm trying to remember we were the, we changed the, you know, I think the funny thing about rugby is the more things change, the more things stay the same. So, right. you know, U19s were, uh, at the youth level, were pretty unorganized as far as, you know, you never knew if the team was actually going to be back next year or not. So, uh-huh. um, it was club stuff. So we basically formed our own club, um, that was like Wheat Ridge, Golden, uh, Bear Creek, Green Mountain, and, uh, basically just took all the violent dudes that I knew from all those schools and just basically didn't give them an option, made them, made them get in the van and come play. Yeah. It seemed to have worked though. It sounds like a good plan. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then back then you had Urfu, the Eastern rugby, you know, rugby union or whatever, whatever yeah. it's been for. And uh, so it was pretty funny. Our, our club team was actually like the representative for like almost the entire Western United States, um, <laughs> you, you know, in, in exchange for, you know, a few guys from the Springs too, but it was basically our U19 team. And then a few guys from the Springs, maybe one or two from East at the time, but yeah, we uh, we played some Smash Mouth rugby, that's for sure. Yeah, can can you kind of take me through the timeline um, after your high school career? What where did you go after that? Yeah, so um, did U nineteen USA stuff for a little bit, and then as soon as I graduated high school, I actually went and played professionally um, in the Pacific Islands. I played in American Samoa, and then got to tour and play in Fiji and Tonga as well. So wow. spent about a year there doing that um, South Pacific. Actually. Um, had a full ride to go to Cal Berkeley and play there. Um, it was, you know, obviously every, yeah. every kid's dream. And, uh, but I was homesick from being away for so long. So I actually, uh, called my dad and was like, man, I'd, I'd like to be closer to home. Is there anywhere that I can get a full ride and, uh, play rugby close? And the two options were air force Academy and, uh, Wyoming and, uh, air force Academy had a great team at the time as well. Uh, but then I realized I actually had to join the military to do that. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, forget that. So yeah. I ended up, sight unseen, passed up a full ride to Cal Berkeley to go to the University wow. of Wyoming, probably the dumbest decision I ever made, but <laughs> take me close to home. Yeah, no, I, I understand that for sure. Uh, I kind of want to go back. What was that like when you were playing overseas with American Samoa? What, what are you, what's some of the stuff that you remember about that? Man, it was, it was amazing. I, uh, I basically got free room and board, um, you know, a little bit of a game stipend, but uh, just, you know, to be able to go overseas and especially 
in in Samoa, like that's that's the type of rugby that I really like. Um, yeah. You know, I, where where if you if you kick, it's because you're scared of the people and that kind of yeah. stuff. It was very very <laughs> up my alley as far as uh, just violent smash mouth rugby. So getting that experience under my belt and then going to get to play collegiate, um, I think was a was a huge thing for me. For sure. Um, and I think too, just the independence too. You know, like obviously, the, one of the coolest parts about rugby is the travel experiences it does allow you to have. Right. So being able to to go into a completely different culture and still have some similarities and and kind of bond over rugby was was really cool for me. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I didn't know that actually. So that's that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. I can't imagine, yeah. Josh. You were a guy that that kicked. I didn't. I couldn't imagine you were too uh, afraid of those guys. No, and even even as you know, playing playing scrum half the entire time, my my box kick was always my my downfall, my least, uh, yeah. my least, <laughs> I don't know, gift talent, yeah. uh, just cause I, I, I freaking hated kicking. I thought I hated when anyone on our team kicked the ball away. Yeah. That's one of the things that took me the longest times to understand. I feel like I've just kind of come around on the last year or two, but that's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, so then after Wyoming, how did the opportunity to play for the Raptors present itself? I guess like what was kind of the timeline after you finish up at Wyoming? Yeah, so um, as I finished up at Wyoming, I'm actually still – so rugby, I don't know how much has changed now. Mm-hmm. But back then you had five years of eligibility. Um, so I was a collegiate All-American in 2006, was actually the captain of the collegiate All-Americans against Canada uh, when we swept them in, in that tour. Um, and at the time, nice. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> the first time that we had ever swept them, so I was, I was pretty, pretty proud of yeah. that. Um, but at the time um, – Glendale was kind of just getting up and going and Mike Donovan um, had just won the mayor and, and you know, the, the kind of the idea of the concept of the stadium at that time was you know, just kind of coming around. So yeah. uh, I had known Mike actually randomly, he was the manager of the USA under 19s. Okay. And so I'd known him for a while just being from, you know, local and played with his son. And uh, so basically he said, listen, we're getting this team started. You still have a year of eligibility. Why don't you transfer away from Wyoming, come down here, go to Metro and uh, play on our professional team. And uh, you can still use your collegiate eligibility because you're technically going to Metro, but okay. play for the men. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of our little loophole. So, so I went down and played uh, club rugby with the Raptors on their inaugural season. And then uh, was still able to use my collegiate eligibility and play for play for the collegiate All-Americans as well. That's awesome. So I had, I know I was talking, I think I had Casey Rock on in April uh, Mike Tafflon not that long ago, and they've talked about like the infamous, the infamous newspaper ad that they 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 I guess it is famous. It's not necessarily infamous, but the newspaper ad that put in the Rocky Mountain News, and they've mentioned that you were there before that. So what was that like? Like the super early days? Like I've I've heard yeah. it was like only like eight guys or something like that until that ad totally. went out, and then you you had enough guys totally. to field the team. <laughs> well, here's here's what's so crazy. Randomly, Mark Bullock, um, the coach of the Raptors for a long time. Um, was also the coach of the USA under 19s. Um, had you know had a bunch of big impact um, just as kind of the development of of young kids across the state. Right. Randomly, Mark Bullock was my one of my assistant principals at Wheat Ridge. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> so it wasn't just like you know it was it was a it was a very I mean I mean I don't know it was very it was a blessing odd kind of crazy circumstance just randomly happened that I was this young kid that was loved rugby and randomly my assistant principal was the coach of the USA under 19 team. Yeah, that is that's weird how that all works out. And then uh, I wanted to ask, like, what was it? What was it like back then? Like, what was? How often were you all training? What was travel like? Who were you playing against? If you could just kind of talk about like the competition back then. Yeah, so we we trained because um, at that time that's kind of when we converted the firehouse um, into yeah. the training into the training <laughs> facility as well. So um, I actually lived in Mark Bullock's um, condo in Glendale, so I could was within walking distance of the field. Yeah. So it was like um, me, Mike Graham. Um, you know, a bunch of guys kind of Dewan was even one of the, one of the original guys, yeah. uh, Christian Sarmento, 
um, a bunch of poly boys that, that played for the Barbarians that we were able to kind of poach. Um, you know, we lifted every single day because we had, we had access to this great facility and did some skill right. stuff. But then actual trainings was only like Tuesdays and Thursdays. I mean, and then in the beginning, we'd have like literally like, you know, 13 guys at training in a, in a game in, in uh, like, you know, like saying, you know, it's like, what is it called? Uh, New Mexico or something that weekend. Yeah. And we'd not, not even have enough people to field the, field the team. So I would call my, call a bunch of my friends. I mean, even <laughs> my little brother, Jordan was like 16 coming up and playing with the men yeah. just so we could feel the team back then. That's, that's so crazy. Like how, I mean, it, it's, it's weird because it's, it's come so far in a short amount of time, but it's still, it's still the same in a lot of ways. Like it's still Christian Sarmento when he was on, talked about that too. Is like, I hadn't played, I just come back from a trip or something. I hadn't played in a few months and text my friends and they say, Hey, bring your, bring your cleats. And, and then he'll play in the seventh tournament randomly that week. It's funny how like it still works like that in a way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's one of the good but things we, about it though. Yeah. And, you know, I think just from the rugby roots and just kind of, you know, I, and then getting into coaching all the youth and that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, we'd make Jordan play with the men, uh, Cardin, Colin Bartolomeo, we'd make play with the men, Tyler Black, we'd make play with the men, but listen, I don't, I know you don't got anything going on this weekend. Get your cleats. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Uh, do you have a favorite rugby memory, Josh, one or, or a few that kind of come to the top of your head? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously playing in Samoa is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think the first time hearing the national anthem wearing the USA jersey was a was a pretty cool, pretty cool feeling knowing that you were the best in the nation uh, representing your country. Uh, hearing the national anthem was a pretty cool moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning our first national championship with Glendale was a really cool moment. Um, getting to share the rugby field with both of my brothers Jordan and Jeremy for the first yeah. time was pretty cool. Um, watching kids that I mentor like Tyler Black become the become the captain of the U19 team for the USA was really cool. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, rugby is, is, it's not like a specific moment or this try or this hit. It was just like this, so many cool collective memories all around. Yeah. That's awesome that you say that. Uh, Another one I have, I ask, I try to ask a couple people is, do you remember who the best player that you played with and the best player that you played against is? Is there a couple guys that come top of your head? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, We, back in the day, uh, used to have this thing, um, like basically like Kudu, I think was the rugby or like the rugby brand or whatever. And we basically put together an all-star team um, with Mark Bullock and a bunch of people and went up and played. And um, the first year when we played in Aspen, uh, I met this guy Stanton Mowali for the first time. Uh-huh. He played seven, was from the Bay, just this, this literally toughest cough and nails poly kid. <laughs> and uh, I think, I think Stanton Mowali was probably easily the, the best player. If I could pick, if I was picking my all-star team, uh-huh. I think that he would absolutely be my first choice every time. Yeah. Uh, okay, I never heard of him, but I have to look him up now. I'm sure I can ask around and hear some stories. Oh yeah, yeah, Stanton. Stanton. He literally. So we were playing, I think, against the Air Force or some. So we were somewhere down in the Springs, and um, he literally hit this dude. Well, he was running the ball and just power stepped into this dude so hard it cracked a bunch of his ribs. Oh man. And uh, and he literally bent down and not as a jerk, like just like like his polite way of apologizing. Yeah. He just tapped the guy and he goes, "I'm so sorry. You're just not in the gym as much as I am." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what a line! Shit. That's it. A- <laughs> yeah, you're just you're not. Yeah, you're just not in the gym as much as I am. Um, and then against, I never played against him. He was always on my team. But man, I would I would be shitting my pants if I was going up against Christian Sarmeno because the oh, dude yeah. was literally almost a, a Jonah Lamu esque personality and oh, yeah. character and athletic freak. So I mean, sometimes he'd be literally playing hooker. Sometimes he'd be playing wing. Sometimes yeah. you know, it's like you never you could put him anywhere on the field, and he was just. <laughs> 
just destroy you. So um, I was I always got to have an extra little boost of confidence getting to go on the field with him. Yeah, he I, he was talking about that on the show too about how he moved around, and I didn't tell him this, but I, I'll have to tell him. It was before he went fishing, but I remember one time when Josh Brake and I were training up with the men's team. It was one, it was just in the summer. And I got the ball, and I was going to throw a dummy. And he was the one coming up to make the tackle, and he just didn't. Like, he was going to hit me regardless. But, yeah, he smoked me. I held on to the ball, and he stood over me, and he said, you you pass the ball every time you see me. And I said, yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) So I learned my lesson. Yes, he he was a monster for sure. Uh, When did you decide to hang up the cleats? When did you retire from from playing rugby? Uh, I retired from rugby in 2010. you know, we were kind of on the tip of a lot of the initial kind of concussion protocol stuff at Glendale. Right. Um, you know, we just had to, had an advantage with the with the training facilities, with the doctors and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, my my concussion tests had been had been pretty shaky for the last probably two years. And then that third year, I tried to go back and play. And basically, the doctor said, listen, man, you know, what, what these results are showing us, either you can choose to retire or we can kind of bring this public and, and uh, make you retire. So... <laughs> So that was that was it. So um, retiring wasn't really a choice as much as it was um, just my body was 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 starting to feel the results of it for sure. And I think just with with anything too, with rugby specifically, there comes a time in everyone's career where the sport actually starts to take more from you than it gives to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, with just looking at at the, what the sport was realistically taking from me with with my head with my concussions, it was it was a hard decision, but it was a the right decision to hang it up. Yeah. How many concussions do you think you had if you had to put a number on it? Oh, I mean, hundreds. I mean, <laughs> when, well, with the, the, you know, with concussions and stuff, it's a really new science and it's right. a really new kind of thing. So when we were playing, um, you know, even in, in the youth level, we were coached that if you didn't see stars, the hit wasn't big enough. Right. So that's, that's how we were coached. And so, um, you know, the goal was to see stars. So I'd see, I'd see stars. I don't know anywhere from like six to 12 times a game. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, and now it's like, if you see stars one time, you're out for five weeks, exactly. you know? Yeah, so, it is weird. It's, it did all kind of flip like right around that time period that you're talking about. So uh, that, that's some crazy stuff for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even you know, even the way that we like would do rucking practice and that kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, I mean, even in practice, you'd you'd get your bell rung. You know, like yep. we, yeah, that's I mean, but we what we would call getting your bell rung was now a, a five week concussion. Exactly. Session, you know? Yeah, that's not a brush yourself off, take a take a breather, and jump back in there anymore. No. Uh, so yeah, Josh, I know you're, you're a busy guy, but have you been able to kind of keep your eye on, on how much that rugby has, has evolved in these last few years, especially these last five, six years? And, and if you have, I guess, are you surprised with how much that it's grown? This is like the second iteration of, of like truly professional rugby across the, the country um, in MLR. Has, is that all surprising to you? Um, I don't think it's been surprising. I think that, you know, growing up in Colorado and around Glenville and as a, you know, like a rugby kind of kid, right. um, I, I think I always saw the dream and the vision of, of what, what they were doing over there. And, and realistically, kind of like you said, once you get a taste of it, it's hard to get away. Mm-hmm. So I think that now that, you know, it's getting a little bit more media, um, it's getting a little bit more attention, uh, um, you know, it's actually starting to attract a lot better athletes. Um, you know, I think it's only natural that the sport's going to grow. Um, I'm actually really surprised that rugby league hasn't blown up here. Um, yeah. so Americans and men violent culture. I think that, you know, the more that it's on TV and the more that people get a taste of it, I think it's just natural. It's growing. Yeah. I have seen a lot of people just on Instagram interacting with the NRL account and, and all that. And so I think people, yeah, like you're saying, are kind of catching on and it is, yeah, it is just a lot faster and it's more like the, the NFL in my opinion. You can lay people out. It looks like a lot harder, and it's just moving yeah, a lot sure. quicker. 
so what has life looked like for you after you stopped playing rugby? I know you've got a lot of things. You've got a lot of eggs in a lot of different baskets. So if you could just kind of fill us in on, on what you've been up to recently. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, so I own a bunch of different companies. So I started a, an apparel company called Ruckus Apparel that, um, that really took off and has been, been a huge part of my life for the last like 10 years. Um, I started a bar um, on kind of East Colfax, Colorado and Boulevard-ish. Uh, called Bellwether. That's a coffee coffee bar and and whiskey bar, mm-hmm. and uh, that's been awesome. And then during co- quarantine, I actually signed uh, two new leases on Larimer Square, oh, so we're nice. opening up a uh, ice cream shop on Larimer Square, and then another bar concept that we're doing. So, been staying busy for sure. Yeah, that's good. That's all we can do during this time. So, that's awesome to hear, Josh. And then just how can people uh, how can people find you? How can they keep up with all your ventures? Yeah, Instagram is probably the easiest, the the one-stop shop for everything I got going on. It's just uh, at Joshua underscore Schmitz. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to find find me on there and interact and love to see some of the old boys for sure. For sure, yeah. Well, that's all the questions I had, Josh. If you had anything else, feel free to throw it in. But if not, that's a good place to end. No, man, that's awesome. Really nice to talk to you. Thank you uh, for thinking of me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Yep, bye. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with former Raptor Josh Schmitz. Make sure to follow Josh on Instagram, like you mentioned in the show, and check out Ruckus Apparel and Bellwether. Uh, Josh is one thing that, that never lacks in Josh's life is cool stuff. He's always doing some cool stuff. So make sure you go check that out. Support the people that support the show, that take their time out uh, of their day to do these interviews with me. I really appreciate it. I say it every week, but the show wouldn't exist without people doing these interviews. Uh, so thank you again to Josh. Make sure you guys go check out Ruckus Apparel, check out Bellwether, check out this new ice cream shop that he's opening. Make sure you support the people that support this show. Um, yeah, so thank you again to Josh. I appreciate the conversation. I hope you all did as well. So now would be the time we jump into the required reading, but I'm going to be nice this week. No required reading this week. Uh, I want everyone to enjoy the holiday weekend. So with that, we'll go ahead and move into the loop. Last part of the show we always wrap up with, just kind of what we've got going on. Like I said, uh, had some Raptors news to tease, so I'm announcing right now that I will have some exciting news about the next direction of the Raptors of kind of Glendale rugby here in a few weeks. Um, should be pretty cool, and we'll, we'll see how you we'll see how everyone likes it. Honestly, <laughs> that's as much as I can say. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned in the next few weeks, two three weeks. We'll have some uh, some exciting news about the the next direction of the of Glendale Rugby and the Raptors. So um, be sure to follow along with us on Twitter at dnvr underscore rugby at Colton Strickler. Um, I've got a weird ne- week next week, so li- I likely won't be able to put out a full show. But I do have one interview loaded up, ready to go. So you will have an interview next week. Might just not be a full podcast, but I'll try my best to to keep things going as normal. But if I don't, you will have a new interview um, with a with a pretty cool guest. So uh, I'll do that because I love you all and I want you all to be entertained. So I'm working on my next long form piece, kicking around a few ideas. I'm I'm following the different uh, breadcrumb trail, going down all these different rabbit holes. So make sure to keep up with me in the meantime on Twitter. Uh, thank you all for listening to the show every week. Um, I really appreciate it. And, th- and with that, that's kind of the end of this week's show. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. And I will catch you all back here next week.